Blog Talk Radio. Another day, another chance. Time once again for Riding the Wave. I'm Mark Healy, the managing editor of the Wave newspaper, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. And joining us here on the record, uh, State Senator uh, James Sanders. He uh, stopped by the Wave to talk to us about a whole bunch of things. Uh, Senator, welcome to the show. A pleasure. A pleasure to be here. I, too, had to ride the Wave. Uh, if you want to know what's going on, you got to ride the Wave in the Rockaways. Um, Let's let's talk about obviously a big a big event uh, coming up for you. I believe it's August eighteenth. Eighteenth, uh, the uh, the Caribbean Carnival, which has been a, a big hit uh, since its inception, and uh, you're expecting now. I, I we even said this before we started this interview uh, that uh, I, I said. Uh, you know, you, you, I bet you didn't expect it that it was going to get even bigger, and you said, uh, you know, you you knew it was going to be this big. Well, fully knew. We had around 5,000 people, according to the um, National Parks, 5,000 people last time. Uh, we'll have between five and ten, uh, depending on weather. Um, we're growing. This thing is going to grow. But you know what? One of the models for the the Caribbean Carnival is coming out of the Rockaways, the Irish Day Parade. The Irish Parade in the Rockaways is the second largest uh, Irish parade in the Northeast. Uh, And that's the Rockaways again. We have to make the Rockaways a destination. There has to be a reason. If you want to build an economy, you have to have a reason why you're out here. Until we find oil or gold, or uh, hopefully at my house, uh, until we find these type of things, we have to create things. Um, years ago, the Rockaways used to have the um, playland. We were a destination. Uh, whole generations of people, no matter where you go, everyone has a Rockaway story. And uh, many of them revolve around the playland. We have to have things that will bring people to the Rockaways so we can create a type of job, a type of business a type of industry, if you wish. Tourism is going to be our number one industry. With that in mind, we want to recognize some some incredible people, uh, folk from the Caribbean who have come to the Americas and have really set the world on fire down here. They've gotten in there from many different islands, and they have, by and large, done some amazing things, and the carnival is just one 
way of recognizing the diversity that we have in the Rockaways and highlighting the different parts, uh, who's here, what do we bring, and transporting uh, a, a culture that started in the Caribbean, the carnival, and bringing it further to the Americas. Here, we're blessed that we're working with Mama, uh, the carnival, the one in Brooklyn, which is run by the West Indian American Day Parade Carnival Committee. And uh, we're working with them to ensure that we do keep the right feel, that we don't mess with the family recipe, but so much right. uh, as we do some amazing things. So we're going to have a ball. We're going to honor one of the pioneers of, uh, of the Calypsonians, the, the Soka Calypsonians, Lord Nelson. And we're, we're just going to have a ball. If you lo love Caribbean food, you'll love there. If you love Caribbean costumes, you'll love there. If you love uh, people, you'll love there. And by the powers invested in me, for one day only, everyone who comes to the Caribbean Carnival will be Caribbean. Okay, sounds like a sounds like a great deal. Um, you know, we we get so much. Um, so many things come across our desk, you know, whether it's a letter to the editor or whether people, you know, stop me on the street and ask me about this project or that project. And I know there was a lot of disappointment when the Peninsula Hospital property was not used for a hospital. Absolutely. You know, that was, you know, people are concerned uh, about medical care. They're concerned about urgent care. They're concerned about, you know, the accessibility uh, especially uh, in Far Rockaway, uh, to quality medical care. And I think that, you know, St. John's is making a lot of strides uh, to get to that next level. Their investments, things that you've done, things that uh, Councilman Richards have done, and other elected officials ha have done to, you know, get that quality investment to, you know, basically get those services as quickly as possible. However, be that as it may, the 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 develop the development now of that area has come under a little bit of scrutiny from folks that are concerned about the density of the project. Now um, we did a story uh, based on the, the scoping meeting where uh, it was going to be that property on on Beach Channel Drive uh, where the former hospital stood uh, is going to be 17 buildings. And there's going to be, I guess, two two really big buildings in the middle of it. But there's going to be great stuff. There's community centers. There's there's different things there in place for people. Here's the two concerns that we've heard. So I'm going to address them to you. The first concern is is that um, Auburn by the Sea has the same amount of units, 2,200 units. The problem is is that Auburn by the Sea has 120 acres to deal with, and this is only 9.4 acres. That's one concern, is the density. The second concern is that the parking situation. Now, I believe there's less than 700 spots that in the initial plan, or at least the proposal that's been put uh, in front of you and, and the other elected officials and the community, um, there's less than 700 spots. Now, here's the question. A, is density a concern to you? And B, how can this lack of parking, if you can build a 15-story building, why not a five-story parking facility that kind of gives spots without, 
you know, taking away any of the character of of the actual, you know, uh, uh, development as it's going to be laid out. I agree with you that density is a problem. If you're building that many units uh, and you are not planning for uh, a one-for-one each unit for one uh, one car or something of that nature, then we are building a problem. Uh, one example of this is I was never a proponent of closing under the L uh, for traffic uh, years ago when uh, people jumped up and said we should close under the L. I really don't understand why. Um, it, I never got a, a good understanding of why at, after a certain place, and this was supposed to help Auburn by the sea, um, uh, our, we, our roads in the Rockaways had become horrible. Uh, I mean, I grew up here. I was born in the Rockaways. There never was traffic here. Uh, traffic was two or three cars in front of you. That was traffic. Now, if you just have three cars in front of you, you've done well. Uh, you're really moving. Um, getting back to this site directly, I'm going to question the developers, and I'm going to speak to them and say, my friends, we have to think this thing out. Because uh, on one hand, yes, you will build and you will leave. But we who uh, make our roost here, we here who have decided the Rockaways is home, we're, we're going to have to live with this for many moons to come. Uh, and under those conditions, I'm going to speak to the developer. I would not have done it if I were in, in that seat or if those things came before the state. If they came before the state, I would hold a, a different conversation. Um, I would want all of those amenities. Right, of course. But I would also want that five-story parking garage, whatever is needed uh, to deal with not just parking on the street, but a dedicated five-story garage or something of that nature. Um, for this many people, you probably need six stories or well, whatever. whatever it is. The idea is is that, you know, just because it's affordable housing doesn't mean we want, don't want to give people the opportunity to exercise their freedom. Right, so yes. if if they have a certain amount of money, right, and they're working and they have a certain amount of money, and they want to spend their money, and they want to spend their money on a car, they shouldn't they shouldn't feel that they can't have one because of where they live. Like they should have the freedom, because let's be honest, it's not just it's not just about having a parking spot for where you live. It's the ability to get where you need to go to go grocery shopping because a lot of people have to go off the peninsula to get the fresh vegetables that they need. A lot of people have to go off the peninsula maybe to do some of the shopping that they need to do. And if we're asking people to, if, if, we, if we take away those parking spots, right, we're asking people to depend on the crumbling infrastructure that is the A-train, and then we're putting even more of a burden on something that, should be fixed already that isn't all the way back and it's just I, I just feel that it it adds to the frustration that people in the Rockaways feel on a day to day basis when they feel that the services that are being provided to them are are not being are, are not Indeed. matching, you know, what they contribute to the overall health of the city and the state. 
Well, we're in agreement there. Uh, in fact, let me speak with two voices on this. As an environmentalist, I really want to work on uh, improving the public uh, transportation, whether it be uh, the A train itself, express buses, buses to other parts of Queens that we need desperately, uh, or uh, the ferry, ferry service that I'm, I'm happy about and, and uh, we need to increase it even more. Um, we do need those things. And we have to get away from fossil fuels as quick as we can. This summer and the summer past uh, have been the hottest on record, and this is the new normal. And we're, we're doing a great disservice to ourselves by this obsession with, pub, with uh, private transportation. Having said that, at the same time, until we improve the public uh, transportation system, we have to make way for people to get around. And 2,200 units and 600-plus parking spots is a recipe for problems. Uh, it's, you know, this day and age, is a... Families sometimes have two and three vehicles. Now, if you're in a Bloomberg family, you're you'll be having Mercedes Benz and whatever whatever else people of that class use. If you're not, your vehicle will reflect that too. But people have these things. Under those conditions, this this stuff is real, and we should deal with it in a real way. And right right now, we're not. Let's talk about um, something that I feel that, you know, is a concern, another concern about uh, our local uh, community here. And that is, you know, the, the New York City's, New York City's um, insistence that it needs to build 90 more homeless shelters. And... It, it just it just seems over over and over and over and over and over again that the city says it wants to communicate with the community. The city says it wants to work with the community, and then, for all intents and purposes, lies to the community. Let's be honest. I mean, you know the the Loretta Road shelter. Uh, I know it's a family shelter, and and I, I know that the hope is that it works out like. The, Bay, the, the Beach 65th uh, Street shelter that, that the beach residents that has not seen the uptick in crime that, that people thought it was going to be. Um, the La Quinta situation where, you know, they promised that they wouldn't and then the city, you know, went... Basically what the city did there, and I've, you know, I've, I've spoken to this with, 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 with uh, Councilman Richards. I'm speaking with this, you know, now. I mean, everybody thought that this was going to be a viable business. And instead, the city came in and is doing what it's doing in other places and, and basically spending taxpayer money on, on, on a... Sh it, it's basically, for all intents and purposes, it's a shelter. Well, where, where they said it wouldn't be. Well, it's not simply the city. We also have to look at the owners of these places. Right. You know? Well, that's I, the thing. I, I know you weren't trying to take them off the off the no, hook, but not at all. These guys, uh, I believe, have come in with false pretenses. I've I've had to change my ways. I 
too, was listening to them, and they seemed earnest people and spoke of business models and spoke of these things, and I was for these things. I have been against every hotel uh, from that, basically, that point, because um, they're just not, they're not doing this. And under those conditions, until we resolve this, I'm against any new hotels coming in anywhere. I don't have the I don't have the time to weed out who's good, who's right, bad. Right. Uh, I have to assume and make some assumption. Now, I, what, I, what I said was, what I liked, and I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, but please. what I liked about um, what happened with the meeting with the one on the, the Loretta Road is that they had. And, and again, it just goes to show you, uh, they had someone from the Board of Ed there talking about, because uh, someone asked about uh, the, the, you know, the families that were going to be living there, the kids that need to go to school, but the seats that are going to be available to them, you know, in the upcoming school year. So Dolores War, who's the chairperson of CB14, uh, she asked about how many seats are available. If you're, if you're telling us that you spoke to the Board of Ed, uh, or the Department of Ed that you spoke to them and they told you that there are seats available. Well, how many seats are there? You know, and they're like, well, they were definitive that they had seats available, but then they couldn't answer the question. So what I'm saying to you is, is that I know that that's your community, that's the community that you represent. Um, how can you be a liaison, you know, from a state perspective, uh, as oversight to what, you know? to what the city is doing when it comes to, because let's be honest, if we're building these shelters, right, and we're building it for families because we're trying to get these people back on their feet and we're, and we're focusing on people in, in Community Board 14 because that's what they said they want to do, the wave has been on the record saying if that's what the goal is, to uplift the community, then we're on board with that as long as the city is on board and proactive and transparent with us. Well, so how state, can how can you assist that process? The state has a role, and some of us have been fighting for it uh, over the very idea of the fair share. What is a fair share? This is the the basis of much of our problem. Uh, where uh, Padavan, uh, Assemblyman, if, if Senator, stand corrected, uh, several years ago came up with a formula that said that. Each community board had to take a fair share. It never was defined what a fair share is, and it never was. Uh, it, we, we need to define it. We need to go back into it, because by any definition you're going to come up with, Southeast Queens as a whole, community board 14, we've done our fair share. Uh, and I, if we didn't, I would be on the record and say, well, listen, we have to do more. Uh, but we have done our fair share, and there are communities that have not. But allow me to take you, I'm a historian by training, and allow me to take you to where this problem came from. Um, politics is real, and people have to really realize that. Years ago, President Ronald Reagan cut funding for uh, what we call affordable housing. He cut it drastically. President... Clinton did not put it back. President Bush cut. President Bush Jr. cut. President Obama did not put it back. The bill is finally here. NYCHA, 
New York City Housing Authority, walking distance from here, Hamels, where I was literally born. Um, NYCHA is so starved. They feel that they need $30 billion to maintain. They've been starved. Have, have they used their money as well as they should? That I wouldn't, you'll never hear me say that. Uh, however, even if they use every dollar the right way, that system is so undercapitalized that they're in a bind. When we don't build affordable housing, and we did policies in the Bloomberg and before, especially during Bloomberg, that made this a less affordable city. Um, we really should have been working on policies to enable people to live here, policies that make jobs pay. We should have increased the minimum wage a billion years ago. Uh, we didn't. Even now, we're slowly staggering into something. Um, living wage and tying, all kinds of stuff that we didn't do. Many of the people from the homeless, uh, from these shelters, are working people. They have jobs. They just can't afford housing. The waiting list is so horrible for the crumbling <laughs> facilities of public housing. We have made this a unaffordable city, a city of the rich. You've got people speculating and buying huge parts of Manhattan, Brooklyn, and now Queens, and they don't even live there. One idea is to tax them. If this is not your primary residence, pay a tax. If you're in Brazil or Europe or China or wherever you are and you are just speculating and keeping homes over here, then pay a tax so we can dedicate to affordable housing. We could start doing some stuff if we got serious with this matter. Otherwise, you're going to force stuff on the bottom. I mean, you know, we're, we're fighting at the edges down here over a problem that de Blasio can't solve. It's way beyond him. We're all going to squeeze the balloon, and when you squeeze a balloon, it goes to somewhere else. Uh, with Rob pay Peter to pay Paul, find your your quote, and that's what we're doing until we deal with the issue of how are we going to make this a an affordable city. We squeeze out the middle class. The middle class can't even live here. They are being forced. The middle class are being forced into the housing that the working poor used to have. Now their working poor is being forced into the housing that the poor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we, we've got a certain amount of these homes have to be dedicated to the middle class. They're under attack too. My God, what a strange world. Uh, but we really, we do need a housing boom. But it has to be thought out because it has to be sustainable, not crippling a community, leaving it so dense that you can't get from here to there. Let's think, let's think of a regional plan and think this thing out. But you got to, at the end of the day, you have to have some money to do it. And, and I would suggest to you that that tax on all of these guys speculating wouldn't hurt a single New Yorker, would hurt very few Americans. It won't hurt these guys who have this much that they can leave, you know, just leave homes empty.
come on now, let's let's get these guys out the streets, out of our subways. Um, those who want to want to work, let's get some work, um, and let's let's empty out the public housing from the working poor and help them get some quality housing that that they they can own. One of the best solutions that we can have is people owning stuff. People who own stuff take care of it better. And that's what we need. I want to address something that happened on Friday uh, in Redfern. Um, Now, we had a reporter there during the day for the Fallen Angels, you know, uh, Stop the Gun Violence event. So this is, it was... uh, tragic, really, what happened uh, at the end of that event. We, were, we reported it that, that, uh, the, the next day about the shooting, the police-involved shooting, uh, the 15-year-old firing into the crowd, allegedly, and uh, then, the, uh, then the cops uh, you know, firing at the suspect. It's just a bad, bad story all the way around. Um, now, I, I, you know, when they first asked us, the folks from, from, from Redfern asked us to cover the event, you know, I looked at it as a great way to, you know, show, you know, because oftentimes, you know, the news coming out of Redfern isn't good, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so we always try to take that opportunity. If, if there's some good news coming out of Redfern, we want to be there to cover it, right? So, so, so here's the reason I'm asking you this. You're a former Marine, and once a Marine, always a Marine. And I and I know that you have worked with a lot of these because the, it is considered a gang nexus type of crime. Okay. I know that you've done work with gangs. I know that you've done it personally. It's not like you've sent you know uh, your your staff to go deal with some of these situations. And I know you put yourself in a, in, a, in a you know let's be honest, not exactly the safest of the situations. To sit down and and try to and look and look shootings are down uh, across the board violence is down across the board but it, it's not the the problem is not going away and when you have a 15 year old kid okay who's now charged with you know attempted murder uh, I believe that's the charge I'm not sure off the top of my head but. I mean, a 15-year-old firing a gun into a crowd at a, at the end of an event that was for gun violence. I mean, what? I know we have neighborhood. We cover the NCO meetings. We know the work that's being done by the precincts. Uh, we we know uh, the history that Captain Tal- Tavalero has with you know working with the gangs, and I know that you've met with him. I know you've spoken with him. I mean. What what can be done? What can be done to kind of figure out how we can, you know, stop these kinds of things from happening? First things first, let me quickly say that this is an example of families being ruined here. The not simply the young man, but his family now is will spend many years uh in a torturous process, whether they are in courts or in in, in jail, etc. Um, and the young man himself, I urge young people, my friends, we need to learn from this. There are no winners here. There's only losers, and each one just each loss just gets worse and worse and worse. And the community can't afford it, doesn't need it. Um, uh, just one or two 
you're right about these things and, and one or two uh, facts, if you wish. I was there on Saturday. The very next day, I was I was in Red Firm, um, walking around with uh, with folk, and I tried to walk as by myself as possible because I want people to really have a chance to talk. If you go to giant entourage that either scares people off or or whatever, but um, I find talking to people one on one really does better, at least for me. So. I heard the story, and there's a question of, was the young man shooting into the crowd? The, the, the crowd was so thick that if you shot into a crowd, you, it would be hard not to hit anyone. It's possible I shot weapons, too. I, I hit my targets, however. But that's a different story. That's the Marine. I mean, it's hard um, So, but that's almost, it's almost besides the point whether he shot into a crowd or whether he had a gun. You broke the law. You will have to pay for this. Um, thank God no one was hit. They could have been. Whether you shot or didn't shoot, you could this you sent this whole situation to a whole different place. Now, what makes it especially sad is that uh I am told that the disturbance did not come from people of Red Firm itself. Right. These were quote unquote uh, outsiders, folk from other parts of basically the Rockways, uh, who were there, and they, I am told, forgot their home training. Were not acting. When you go to a person's house, you put on your best, you know, your your best, your your the nicest, best, polite that you can be, even more than you'd be at your own home because you're at someone else's home. And this is a lesson that somehow escaped these young people. Uh, and I'm told that their actions heated things up and got things worse and worse and worse until finally was totally out of control, I would argue, out of control uh, and endangering people's well-being. Um, including people who were beat up, including people. Uh, this is reprehensible. People will have to be punished for their actions. Um, but we all need to figure out how do we do more. Part of what has to happen is you've got to continue to do this stuff. Don't let this stop the good people from coming out, right. which is the, the, the fundamental of National Night Out. That good people have to come out. The activity of honoring whatever they were doing in Red Firm um, was a positive activity. Absolutely, yeah. And needs to be, uh, we need, this is why I was there the next day. I was flying the flag. I was there in support of the people of Red Firm who may have felt uh, condemned or may have felt heartbroken and despondent. No, we can't well, have that. Right, because it, it was an event that was meant to... Unity, goodwill, yeah, honor those who have, right. you know, passed. Yeah. Um, including the young man out of the Bronx, a junior out of the Bronx, the picture was up there. Yeah. He was being memorialized also. Uh, we do need to stand against madness and especially work on the issue of uh, 
of the youngest among us that we need to work on. Yeah, if I may, um, I would also like to ask about a different topic. It's something that we've covered extensively, and uh, you mentioned that you know the fossil fuel issue is something that's near and dear to you. What, what are your thoughts on this new Williams Pipeline, 23-mile Williams Pipeline that's being proposed? What, what are your thoughts about it? Well, I, I take a lot of my lead with uh, from this with our neighbor Dan Mundy, who and others who have been, um, you know, stalwarts on this, who have been giving me an education. Uh, I I believe I know this stuff until I talk to Dan, <laughs> who it's like a smart person going into a library. <laughs> I like Dan. So I have had, I've heard that he is in support of this, but I want to hear it from his mouth itself. I, I want to hear what he believes and what the, the people on this issue believe. Um, it seems like a sensible thing. However, uh, I want to hear from my pros. I want to hear from folk who have the best interests of the Rockaways in mind and, and, and New York in mind. Um, do we need to, we need to get away from fossil fuels as quick as possible for many reasons, including in the Rockways, for safety, safety's sake. Uh, and this is why I want to explore with these guys um, wind turbines. I really want to explore solar, geothermal, any other ways. In, in fact, there's some experimentation in the East River of river currents. Uh, creating power. We, that started under Bloomberg. I would love to know, was it successful? Uh, we have a lot of current out here. And if it could be under, you know, deep under the water where we're generating and we're not hopefully killing fish or many of them, we need to explore all of these things um, and not just get caught up on do we have enough pipes for oil or gas or whatever. Um, if you build something for gas, I want to see what you're building uh, to get us away from it. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to speak to National Grid. Um, in fact, I, my person is supposed to be working on this. Last winter, we had a crisis in Redfern and other public housing. The people are freezing. The, the generators go down the drain. If they're going to do this type of stuff, they need to go and help weatherize Redfern. Cut, you want to cut down and save weatherization? Uh, you know, one of the best ways of saving, keeping people warm, because I noticed something when I was up there, too. Um, there was no weatherization going on. I went in in the middle of a blizzard, um, and I, I saw one person had a air conditioning in their, in their window. My friends, I mean, some basic stuff. No one had plastic on their windows, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this, this is an opportunity. This means that, A, we need to go and teach weatherization to people because, A, it's good for them, it's good for the environment, it's, it's just a win for everyone, uh, and, B, National Grid, if you're going to come through our community, we want something, one thing to say that you're safe and sound and all the rest of that stuff. 
that still doesn't do anything for us. Well, besides insure our gas, maybe. But how about doing something for this community as a whole? How about us finding ways that we could um, weatherize this stuff? Because that's our tax dollars. NYCHA is our tax dollars. Um, even if you don't live there, A, as a human, we want folk to be warm and safe and all the rest of that stuff. But B, that's our money. And we need our money taken care of in, in a smart way. Uh, so that's how I view this type of stuff. I want to get some more information. I did do a meeting with them. Them and uh, the group Stevens, I think, is the uh, uh, the provider of the few. National Grid is just the, they sell it to you. Stevens, oh, there you go. Stevens is a wholesaler. The other guy's a retailer. All right, well, we covered a lot of topics. Uh, certainly uh, always look forward to uh, speaking with you, and I know that uh, you're not running against anyone, so you don't have to campaign. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I should have put someone to run against me. So we, uh, we will uh, be looking forward to uh, talking with you uh, at the Carnival uh, on the 18th, and make sure that if you have any questions, uh, you can check out uh, rockawave.com. All the information about the Carnival is in there, and you can uh, contact uh, the Senator's office uh, directly uh, if you need any, any information on the Carnival and anything else that the Senator and his staff are working on. Allow me to give you a telephone number. Sure, absolutely. 718-523-3069. And on another date, let's talk about the bank that I'm bringing to the Rockaways. Uh, the, we are a banking desert. I'm bringing one. Okay, well, you heard it. That's the next episode uh, of uh, Riding a Wave with uh, Senator Sanders. We're going to talk about the bank. Uh, thanks again, as always, uh, for stopping by the wave, and uh, look forward uh, to seeing you at the carnival. Carnival. <laughs>